So this week, I start the sermon by moving furniture. And that's okay, because it's always nice to have a slightly different start to a sermon. Sorry, Soph. Uh, this week, uh, hey, Nick, do you reckon you could grab me one of those seats? That would be great, actually. Bring it to the middle. Ugh. There we go. Perfect. Actually, while you're putting, you might as well sit on it, Nick, I reckon. <laughs> Can we welcome Nick joining us today? <laughs> So this week is a bit of a different week when it comes to our usual sermon space. Uh, this week is the kind of week that we call application week because there's nothing like going to church and seeking to apply the teachings that we've been learning over the last couple of weeks. And we've done this a few times in our PM services before um, and we've done it once in our AM service and so this will be the, uh, the second attempt of doing this. But it's a fantastic opportunity to be reminded that as a church, we are all in this together, <laughs> uh, that we are seeking to be missional, and that actually your faith experience and your expression of mission has something to offer not only our congregation, but just essentially like each other. You speak into this truth. Uh, and so over the last couple of weeks, we've been doing this series, A Workplace Mission, um, as we've been exploring what it looks like uh, to honour God through whatever work it is that we do. Uh, and that work can range from our professional roles to uh, being uh, a, a personal carer to a parent. Um, you might be retired and you're seeking to do voluntary work in a number of different settings and that's fine. Whatever the work looks like for you, uh, we, we talked about the fact that we don't want this kind of sacred, secular divide where some things are important to God and other things aren't, but rather... We ask the question, this could be considered to be like the kind of the key question of uh, the series, do you realize the sacred nature of your work? Like, do you realize that that work is actually important to God? Not something on the sidelines, not something that generates cash so you can give it to the church, so it's useful spiritual purposes, but rather it actually is important to God. And this week, uh, we're going to kind of engage with this, and I'm just going to give you a little bit of a sense of the, the, the way we're going to do this. We're going to observe, we're going to reflect, we're going to discuss. I've got Nick up here to kind of reflect on a couple of questions to maybe kind of warm you up to your own thinking. And then we're going to do something that's really bold. You're going to talk to each other during the service. Usually that's very frowned upon during the sermon especially, but this time, deeply encouraged, Okay. Uh, there's going to be just a couple of questions for you to engage with the people around you. We're going to have a nice little countdown timer as well, just to kind of keep you in check and all that jazz. But it's going to be a great opportunity for you to discover that maybe your work is more sacred than you realize. And I encourage you in those conversations, be honest. And be honest about what you can't answer too, because that's honesty as well, right? Um, and of course, if you are joining us online, please use the chat thread to post your responses too. We'd love to get some dialogue happening there. So, Nick, thank you for joining me up here. It's uh, not always the enviable position to be in. No, someone, <laughs> someone could swap if they want. <laughs> it's just like tag in, pass the baton. Um, but I, um, I wanted to chat with you and I wanted to have you up here because I find that the work that you do, because you have, well, for me, from my perspective, you probably, have, you probably have more, but from my perspective, you have kind of three main areas of work that you do. And I'm kind of curious as we, as we consider this question, what does it look like to maximize the good that your work brings to the world for God's glory? That's what work as worship is. Um, how does your faith in Jesus distinctly shape the way that you practice your work? Maybe just quickly go through the kind of the different work that you do first, and then how does your faith in Jesus distinctly shape that? 
a simple question to start. <laughs> yeah. um, so I'm, um, I'm a teacher and I teach at Aralun Christian College. Um, I, I'm a dad. Uh, I've got four boys and a wife. Um, so I've got, I can't, that's kind of my work. Absolutely, um, yeah. And, uh, and I've been recently engaging, I've engaged in this a lot in my life, but not for the last little while, um, in doing some artwork as well. Mm. Um, so teacher, dad, and artist. Yes. Three quite distinct expressions of work yep. in your life. Yeah. Yep. Um, and I've, I've sent Katie out to work uh, so that I've got some time to do art. Um, she's overjoyed about that. <laughs> No, actually, it's been a, a really nice change for us. Mm. Um, so she's working more and I'm working a little bit less, which means I'm also doing more of the, of the homework. Yeah, um, absolutely. <laughs> um, now, the question. Yes, the question. I suppose this question, how does your faith in Jesus distinctly shape the way that you practice your work, these various things? Because there's many artists and there's many teachers and yeah. there's many parents. Yep. Um, how does your faith shape it? Um, one, I, th I think one key way is that um, is that I try and have rhythms in my life. Um, and so on the home front, those rhythms might be um, just that we have this that I that we try and work to a structure, and that means that. Um, we're not having to figure out all the time what's happening, but there's actually something already happening. Yeah. And everyone knows what that is. So there's a bit of order. Yeah, so there's some order to our family. And mm. I um and that sounds really not that significant, but I actually think that is a really significant thing for us. Mm. Um and exam and and I guess anyone could have an order to their life. Um but we have some of those. Uh, some of those are distinctly Christian mm. uh, liturgies. Yeah, sure. Uh, so we we tend to um, after dinner read the Bible and um, pray. Mm. You know, sort of teaching our kids by getting them to take turns to pray as well. Yep. Um, so that's a very like Christianese kind of uh, liturgy. Um, Got some other liturgies like we serve each other. Yeah. Uh, so we have some jobs in our house that we all do, um, and the kids are very enthusiastic about their <laughs> part in that. You can see on Solly's face, it's <laughs> like, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but that's sort of, again, it's it's a it's a nothing thing, but it's an important thing. It's actually yeah. about developing um, things in our lives that are caring for other people. I don't think you can actually underestimate that because we say this a nothing thing, but when we actually return to scripture on a regular basis, God created us to have rhythmic structures. I like how you talk, talk in liturgy because even though some of us may not be familiar with like liturgical practices or that may not be kind of our language that we use, essentially when we talk about that, we're talking about making sure that something is, is sacred, has a sacred element to it. It actually brings that overlay. And when you think about even creation, things like God establishing rhythms of Sabbath is really, really significant. Seasonal uh, practices and expressions of faith. Like, I just think that that rhythm and that order and that structure, especially that draws out the good and positive traits within a family or within us, I think that that's, that's deeply significant. <laughs> 
Yeah. Uh, I've been I've actually been doing a bit of study as well, um, and I've just been reading about. Um, well, I actually can't. The bloke's name is Smith, and he's excellent. <laughs> but that's all I've got. Uh, he he actually talks about liturgies not only in um, religious settings, but liturgies mm. that we all have liturgies, and those liturgies are either bringing us, pointing us towards God or away from God. Great, yeah. And so he he illustrates that by talking about the liturgy of the shopping centre mm. uh, as a deeply religious and forming practice. Yeah. Uh, that the shopping centre um, gives people hope and it gives them transactions and it gives them um, uh, it saves them if they're feeling bored or if they're feeling you know whatever so he talks about and he talks about it all in very religious language to try and make the point that actually all of our life is religious uh, or um, has liturgy and we need to be more and more um, conscious yeah. of our of which direction that liturgy is heading us. Absolutely. I mean, it was a theologian, Karl Barth, uh, who obviously he had huge amount of work, but one of the things that he identified in terms of religion, he said, where does religion come from? He says, you do something, whether it be a transactional thing or you walk into a place, and, and for some reason, maybe deliberate or accidental, you encounter God. And because you did and because that was a significant transformative experience, you seek to recreate that. And so we play a song and it resonates with us and points us to the divine and we say, let's play that song again. There's a reason why we sing songs in church. Like this is what he points out. Um, and of course, the risk of that is that we continue to recreate the same, uh, same instance, right? And then it can turn into religiosity when we fail to remember it was that which connected us to God in the first place, which is why we did it. So I really love that. I actually really like that, that concept of kind of like being extra aware of where God is, is at work. And I, I think it's a great question to ask. In your work, in whatever work you do, where are those liturgical places? Where are those moments as you turn on your computer, uh, as you, you know, take your food out of your lunch or, or you order food or whatever it might be, how can these become liturgical spaces? That's a, that's a good question. That's not up there, but you should be thinking about that too. I, I do want to just refer back to the text here just because uh, in case you missed the, a couple of weeks ago before we go into the question, I, I referred a couple of weeks ago to workers' worship reflecting back on the creation narrative that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and now the earth was formless and empty, right? And that was that Hebrew term tohu vavohu, which can be translated wild and waste. It was a chaotic space in the Hebrew mind. And it was darkness was over the surface of the deep, again, water associated with chaos. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. So in as much as we look at the creation narrative and we often think about God creating something from nothing, at least with a, with a Hebrew mindset and the language, it's actually about God bringing order out of the chaos, right? And so when we think about the work that we do, the good that we do, it's actually about participating with God in bringing order out of the chaos. And this work occurred before Genesis chapter 3, before sin entered the equation. So work is not a consequence of sin. Hard work, like that could be argued, right, <laughs> with the curse, but work itself is not a consequence of sin. And so I want to throw over to everyone here now to get you thinking and to get you moving. You may need to briefly introduce yourselves, but I encourage you to spend time focusing on this question. What is the chaos that your good work seeks to address? 
So whatever your work is, you might need to identify that. What is the work that I do? Nick's kind of shared parent, artist, teacher, and we'll push into a few more of those. But what is your work and how does that bring order out of chaos? How does it bring good? All right? A little bit of a challenging one. Take a few minutes, but we're going to give this a go. So again, I want you to just connect up with just some people around you. You don't have to move too far and answer this question. We're going to have about five minutes. All right? It's going to feel chaotic. It's not going to feel like standard church. That's okay. Take five minutes. At a three and a half minute mark, we'll put a countdown timer just to give you an awareness of the time. Um, but have that conversation now. What is the chaos that your good work seeks to address? All right.
All right. Now, I'm just going to bring you back a little bit. Don't feel like you have to move. Don't feel like you have to move, all right? You might want to rotate a little bit if that's helpful, but, but don't feel like you have to move too much because we are going to kind of continue to go this. Now, um, just as we were talking, uh, you were talking, don't worry, we, we don't get a free pass. We, we talk up here too. I was chatting, I was chatting to, to Nick. And, um, and I suppose I was asking the question, you know, is there anything that you regularly do to remind yourself that the work that you do is for Jesus? Like, you know, are there these kind of, we talked about rhythms and structure and these kind of maybe sacred moments. Like, what is that, I suppose, for you, maybe even as, as a teacher, I suppose? Um, yeah, the school, uh, school is sort of, an e is much easier for me because I spend a lot of time, or have at least in the past spent a lot of time there. Um, there are, so I think, and... I think I'm right, is that teachers uh, spend a lot of their life doing something and then re reflecting on how it went. Like that's sort of what a teacher does. They they teach and then they go, well, what worked there? What didn't work there? What would I do different next time? Um, and so uh, built within that for me is, is a reflection always on um, how did that interaction go with that student? What could I do better there? What what are they w walking away with right now? Um, and and that can be applied like across so many different areas. Um, so that's one thing. Yeah. Um, I might just Don't jump in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Put a few dots dot points there. <laughs> um, I, I'm really lucky in that I work at a Christian school. So actually, one of the things we do. Uh, every single morning is we have a little devotion as a staff. Um, that's a really, really uh, useful way of just centering ourselves mm. on what God wants. Yep. Um, that's a bit of a cheat one uh, in terms of this conversation because um, it's not every context has. It's that. not every context has yeah. a little devotion in the morning. Yeah, yeah. I, and I understand that. Um, uh, it was great to hear what John said about him praying. Uh, when I am uh, well into a routine, I tend to pray in the car on the way to work mm. and I tend to ask God to help me to see where he's working. Yeah, um, absolutely. And I've, that language has probably changed for me in the, in the last little while because I would say um, I would pray about um, God giving me opportunities, mm. uh, but I actually reckon he gives me opportunities all the time and I, it's about my ability yeah. to see his, his him at work. Preach it, Nick. Preach <laughs> it. Yeah, but this is but this is it, right? It's, it's the sense of God like, yeah, we can pray, God, open up opportunities, good prayer, yeah. but also God, help me to be aware of the opportunities you present me with. And I also, you know, I was just holding back from jumping in on all these things that you were saying because they're just so good, but just that sense of that action and reflection piece and around kind of like, how did that interaction go? Like when we talk about workers' worship and we talk about maximizing the good, like maximizing the good, like that's what we're doing. We're saying, hey, is there a way that I could have, even maximise the good in this particular instance? Is there a way that I could have brought even more order out of this? Um, I love, what was this student taking away? The question we're really asking there is like, 
was I a bearer of good news in that moment, right? As we move into that marketplace mission, like this is some of the language we're using, right? But this is fully integrated into these spaces. This is not some sort of separate thing. This is going on all the time, but maybe we need to kind of wake up to it a, a little bit more. Now, I was aware it was only a short time, but that's okay. The good news is this is just practice for the broader conversations you can have all the time. But I do want to move into kind of the second concept that I spoke about last week um, as we take that workers' worship understanding and then we move it forward into marketplace permission. And marketplace permission was defined as embracing the unique position or your unique position to extend Jesus' invitation to others. So what does your environment allow in terms of extending Jesus' invitation. And we looked at Jesus' own example here from uh, Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. So he's doing the work, right? That's his work right there. He's teaching, he's meeting people, he's healing. That's what he is equipped to do. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. And so suddenly he's in the midst of his work. He's looking out. He's seeing people who are harassed and helpless. They're lacking direction. They're being bombarded with all these messages that are actually uh, creating more chaos in their life. And Jesus' response was one of compassion. And, and, and he wants people to be out there declaring the good news for them. So I'm kind of curious, one of the questions I, and the things that I did raise what was within our workplaces, there is a power dynamic. We hear this word evangelical, right? And we go, well, the thing is, like I'm a doctor, I've got patients, there's this power dynamic, it is unprofessional, and I actually agree, to leverage that power dynamic, right, in, in a negative manner. Now, I'm kind of curious for you, Nick, you know, what are some challenges or barriers within your professional context to be evangelical. Now, if you weren't here last week, that might kind of stir up, ooh, evangelical just means good news bearer, to be a bearer of good news. Um, what are some barriers um, as you seek to kind of reach people and extend that invitation of Jesus? Um, yep. This is, it's sort of tricky, uh, yep. but um, actually um, the word authority is really interesting. Yes. Um, Jesus had authority. You read that in the Bible often. Um, and you also read that Jesus was God and he chose not to use his godiness uh, as, as power, um, which is really, yeah, that's, that's something worth reflecting about. Um, and, um, and I have authority in my job and, and I should. It's actually, um, I think it's God-given and it's, um, and the parents give it to me as well when they send their kids to our school. And it would be really easy to use that authority for bad. Um, and, yeah. and I, you know, I bet there's a bunch of people in this room right now that have bad teacher experiences. Mm -hmm. And... Um, or bad boss experiences. Or bad boss experiences, yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely. Um, yeah. So, so, a couple of things. Uh, number one, I, I, I use my authority. Um, I use it to create order. Yeah. Um, and uh, kids don't always love the order, uh, but they respect it when it's there. They actually, 
they actually crave it. Mm. So, um, so I'm, I'm actually, it's one of the things that I'm quite good at as a teacher, just, just settling things down and, um, and over time I've actually, I think I've developed some pretty good strategies to do that without being nasty. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and so I think that's really important yep. and actually kids respond well mm. Mm. to kindness. It just, they're just like us. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> um, Dignity, right? Yeah, Dignity. That's, that's, it's amazing that's true. can work wonders. Um, one of the things that we've that that I've been working on pretty hard and also at our school we've been talking about is that uh, is who we are. What what is our identity? Mm. And um, as Christians we believe that every single person is important. Absolutely. And they're not just important because they're brainy like which is a school trap uh, or important because they're good at sports or, you know, because of what they're good at. They're mm. good at, they're, they're important because God made them good mm. and their heart, mind, body, soul designed for love. Mm. And uh, one of the ways that I can exert my authority is by recognising their image, their pointing, God pointing that image. Out. Yeah, 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 and recognise that. Yeah. 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 And so if I'm doing that well, uh, I am bringing life to them. Well, you become a good news bearer when you yeah. point out something that maybe they don't see in themselves. Yeah. Like, like this is, like, I, I think you're, you're, you're spot on there. Like, Marketplace for Mission, we think, we talk about what does it look like to be a good news bearer, right? And first and foremost, before we kind of go, okay, who's the most, you know, who's the easiest to reach kind of, kind of thing, to actually step back and actually be like, each of these people in my workplace, whether they be students, colleagues, bosses, whatever your structure is, family members, um, like to actually look and go, first and foremost, these are people who bear the image of God, right? They are loving, like, sorry, they, they are loved by God, they are worthy. To create opportunity to point that out, for those people who are feeling harassed and helpless, just as Jesus identified them, people as being, and that's true, it's true of our, of our world, to actually point out something that is true and good about them that is honouring and worthy, that is transformative and that is evangelism, right? That is being a good news bearer, right? And, um, and so I think that that's so critical, critical to have that, that set of lenses, uh, especially, and should we be reminded, especially for those who hurt us. <laughs> you know, there's a, it's no wonder Jesus talks about pray for those who persecute you. Love your enemies, right? Like Jesus knows that this is hard work for us to do this. And yet this is what we are invited to do that, again, while we were still sinners, God died for us, right? So we have been the recipients of, of this from God. Now we are called to extend that invitation to others. And that is what it means to be evangelical. Um, we're going to push into this a little bit deeper, but I, I do want to kind of push to a, to a group's question. And, uh, and I know there's a couple of questions up here, but they kind of align in a similar way. Um, what is one way, and this is for group discussion, what is one way you publicly identify yourself as a follower of Jesus? And that doesn't necessarily mean like Jesus is my, my hero t-shirts, but maybe it does. Who knows? Depends on the work you do. <laughs> right? But, but it actually starts, being a good news bearer actually, it's important that people know the source behind that. Right? Um, and so I suppose I want to kind of push down that fundamental level. Do people know that you're a Christian? Um, and I said last week, people often ask the question, hey, what did you get up to on the weekend? They often ask that. It's not hard to be like, hey, I went to church. And, you know, kind of like use that as an avenue for people to know that you're a Christian. So, so that would be the question number one. What is the one way you publicly identify yourself as a follower of Jesus? Might be choice of language, practices, apparel. 
Um, and, and if you kind of like have a little group, you're like, yeah, we're all over that, everyone knows I'm a Christian, I'd push into that second question in the middle there. What topics of conversation have you discovered as effective avenues to share something of your faith? What conversation topics are people feeling harassed and helpless that you can bring light into? Um, maybe just the same way that Nick reflected on identity and how people feel harassed and helpless in terms of their identity and suddenly you bring some light into that space. So let's grab a few minutes now uh, in our groups. Uh, again, let's kind of have five minutes. What's one way that you publicly identify yourself as a follower of Jesus? Start the conversation there. Let's go.
All right, so just going to bring you back together now. By the way, if you're not part of a home group, this is something that home groups do. <laughs> if you like it, this is something you could, you could genuinely do on a regular basis, uh, have discussions like this. Um, I'd definitely encourage it. And as, as we were chatting, I don't know what kind of things emerged for you. As we were chatting, we were talking about these kind of uh, unique kind of moments uh, where we can um, have our faith on display. Um, and kind of topics of conversation. Um, but I also I just wanted to pick up that, that verse that uh, Nick mentioned uh, from Philippians chapter 2. Uh, it's often titled, Imitating Christ's Humility. Uh, from verse 5, it says, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. And therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name of above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. I love how this passage ends with everyone acknowledging Jesus Christ as Lord and starts with Jesus' posture of humility, right? Because that can be so foreign to us. We say authority, power brings change. Right? That's the narrative and the economy of the world. And yet Christ's example is one where he actually chooses to relinquish his power, take on the posture of the servant, and it's because of that servant approach that God raises him up that people would acknowledge him. Very important to pick up on that. All right, sorry, preaching over. Nick, speak. <laughs> Can't stop me once I get going. Speak just briefly to those little moments where that, that make, I suppose, your faith on display and distinctive. Um. Well, it kind of started with this question of like, who, who are your people of peace? Like, who do you feel comfortable reaching, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, again, sort of, because um, it's a Christian school, I can actually use words sometimes, and, and that's good. But if I wasn't at a Christian school, there are things that I, that I think actually good teachers do that reflect who Jesus um, wants me to be. Uh, so things like... Um, a student is giving me a difficult time. Um, which is a nice way of saying that I want to throttle them. <laughs> uh, um, I actually need to choose my own behaviours in that, in that situation. Mm. Uh, in fact, one of the things that I hate most about teaching is, um, is the idea that if there is something not going right in the classroom, I'm the one that needs to change. Mm. Uh, that is so hard mm. uh, because sometimes it's that person. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and yeah, so there's some things, there's just really basic things I can do, like uh, actually ask that student just to go outside until I calm down. 
and then I have a good conversation with them when mm. I'm when I'm ready. Elevating the good rather yep. than bringing chaos. Yeah. Yep. Um, there are some choices that I can make about uh, choosing not to shout if I'm feeling frustrated. Mm. Um, and on the flip side of that, sometimes, um, sometimes I actually behave badly, and um, and probably the most powerful things that I've ever done in my teaching practice has been when I've walked away from that situation um, and reflected on it, deciding I need to say sorry, mm-hmm. and. Um, and so, and then the next day, fronting up and saying to the class, "This is what happened. This is, this is what is expected of me because of what I believe." And so I'm, I'm actually saying sorry and asking you to forgive me. Mm. Um, it's, it's so powerful. Mm. Uh, I hate like I. <laughs> this is not something I'm doing for fun, <laughs> uh, but it's it is actually a really powerful experience. Yeah. And and for many students, they've never had an adult do that. Never had an adult apologize yeah. to them. Never. And you mentioned as we were talking, like sometimes they can feel really uncomfortable about it because it's yeah. so foreign to them. Yeah. Yeah. And yet at the same time, it, uh, I like how you said it before, like this is, this is an expression of your faith. Yeah. Like this is what it means. Um, beautiful. And whether it's a student uh, or a teacher or a colleague or whatever it might be, we're all going to find in these situations where we are required to, to, to put on that humility and to, to front up and to express our faith in that way. Uh, again, throwback to the... Out of my prayer, the Lord's prayer, and the peace that Jesus elevated within that everyday prayer, which was forgive, 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 forgive. So distinctive within every sphere of life. So foreign to so many people around us. The concept that we need to forgive um, and, and, to, and to, to do that, like to, to express our apologies when we have wronged another. All right, I'm going to just kind of wrap up this because I'm, I'm conscious of time and I'm conscious that you know, we could talk about this and I want us to keep talking about this as a church. Please let us keep talking. Um, but I do want to uh, finish with a, with a question for us to consider individually before we kind of head back into our regular spots. So as we kind of reflect upon these last couple of weeks and even this kind of application week, what is it that God is prompting me to focus on? in the work that I do. Maybe it is that there is a form of liturgy, again, don't get caught up by that language, these moments that I need to capture and recognize as something that I'm suddenly doing to honor God. This moment within my work that I want to make sure that I declare is sacred, just as it already is in God's eyes. Maybe it is that um, that we need to reconsider who it is that we're seeking to reach within our environment. Maybe even repent of some of the times we've exploited a power dynamic. Maybe it is that our prayer isn't going to be so much, hey God, create opportunities, but open my eyes to the opportunities you're already presenting me with. There could be many, many things. Maybe it is the decision to wear a cross around your neck just so someone knows you're a Christian, just as a first step. Whatever it is for you, I encourage you, be obedient to that. God is faithful when we walk in obedience to him. He is faithful. He is for us. He is working with us. And he is certainly working within those spaces that so often we easily discount and say, you're not as interested in that. It's not true. Our work is worship. Our marketplace is an opportunity for mission. Uh, And I believe that as a church we're doing that. And we can encourage each other in that all the more. Um, So let me pray. And then we're going to just close our service um, with, with a song.
Uh, so Jesus, thank you, Lord, for all that has been shared. I, I'm, I genuinely believe, Lord, that what has been shared with each other, Lord, in the context of these conversations, Lord, you will use as prophetic voices to grow us, to challenge us, to consider what it looks like, Lord, to be your people in these uh, critical work spaces. And God, whatever it is that the work looks like, looking after grandkids or, or working with students or, or patients, uh, God, uh, whether it's cleaning up rubbish in the, in, the, in the backyard or around the house, and, and that's our work, God, would we honour you with that time and with that space? And so, God, thank you that you're a living God who speaks, who lives, who's given us an example to follow. And so, God, may we step into that narrative that you began at the beginning of creation. May we step into that example that you gave us in you, Jesus, Lord, and live our lives uh, without one side or the other, but a fully integrated faith where what you have done in us, Lord, and the kind of life you're calling us toward is expressed in love and service and in bringing good, Lord, in all the areas of our lives, Lord. And may you receive the glory and the honour for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.